We believe emotional well-being is intricately tied to spiritual connection. We know that there is hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We envision a world of healing and connection and teach you simple but powerful practices to help you come home to your highest self, to your truest identity. We believe you are a divine soul who's deeply loved and that the entire universe conspires for your good. You're valued beyond comprehension, and we want to help you realize that. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. Hi, my name is Dr. Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, a licensed marriage and family therapist, we will lead you on a journey of self-discovery and self-love. Hi, welcome to the episode. This is Amy. Today's episode is on gratitude. This is Lena, and we are really interested in the concept of gratitude as it applies to healing from trauma. In recent decades, there's been a tremendous interest in gratitude and the way that it affects our sense of well-being and our ability to be resilient in times of great difficulty. One of the things that happens with gratitude is that for those of us who have experienced tremendous difficulty, challenges, and trauma, we struggle with gratitude sometimes because we don't understand how two seemingly opposite things can exist at the same time. If we don't have the concept of being able to see the world through the lens of and instead of either or, then it's hard for us to be grateful for the things we do have because we're so impacted negatively by the things that are happening in the world. And the concept of and becomes powerful in terms of learning how to have more flexible thinking and learning how to incorporate gratitude into our lives. When we have the idea that we can be grateful for something on this hand, while on this hand, something difficult is happening or something that we are struggling with is happening, it becomes easier for us to identify things that we can be grateful for. There's this concept of toxic positivity out there right now. And to my mind, toxic positivity is not acknowledging the hard, glossing over it, and only focusing on the silver lining. And this is definitely not what we're talking about. As we know, when we do not address something, it persists. And at the same time, notice the and, as we focus on something, it grows. So if we focus on the core problem, it will grow. If we focus on the gratitude of the core problem, it will grow. And so the trick or the balance here is to look at the problem and acknowledge it and find where you have actionable control, which a lot of times there's not a lot of places where we can do an intervention or have control over something that's happening around us. We can then take what we're learning from that. What do you think, Lena? I agree. I I'm not looking at toxic positivity. In fact, when I do work with my clients, one of the things that I work with them on is accurate thinking, not positive thinking. Positive thinking is difficult for the brain, the survival part of the brain to work with because it doesn't acknowledge the reality of things. And in order for us to be able to get through difficulties and challenges, we have to acknowledge what's happening in order to form some type of plan to deal with it. And while we don't 
oftentimes have a lot of opportunities to make something radically different. There are a lot of internal things that we can do that can help us deal with adverse events in our lives. That reminds me of the Carolyn Miss book, Anatomy of the Spirit, that we've been reading. I was rereading, I believe it was on the second chakra yesterday, and I can't remember what chapter it is, but it talked about how one of the purposes in her mind of the earthly experience is to have our internal, what she would call the spirit or the soul, become more of the driver of our decisions and our life over the body rather than the external control, I should say, not necessarily the body. And that really spoke to me because especially now we're living in COVID-19 times. And while a lot of states have opened up and things are shifting towards being more open, there's still, I think, a lot of collective trauma. And what that spoke to me is that there are certain things that we absolutely cannot control. We cannot control how the world responds. We cannot control the news. We cannot control anyone else, really, besides ourselves. But what we can control is how we, first of all, what we let in and how we grapple with it. And so for me, using that and, so this is really hard and I have these things that I'm really great. I'm super grateful I have shelter right now. I'm so grateful that my family and I have food. I'm not just saying that. I feel incredibly grateful that neither my husband nor I have lost our jobs. We have been so richly blessed during this worldwide crisis simply by being able to maintain somewhat of a status quo from our old lives. It doesn't look the same, but we have resources. And so acknowledging that this is a really hard time globally, and it's hard for our kids, and it's hard for us, and and there's also some things I feel super grateful for helps me to resource. The concept of and means that I can say, this is a really difficult time, or I'm having a really hard time with the isolation. And I'm really grateful that I have people I can reach out to via Zoom or FaceTime. The other thing that I've heard a lot of during the pandemic was that while it's been very challenging and isolating, people are talking a lot about the opportunity that has been presented to us of slowing down. And When we have the opportunity to slow down, we have the opportunity to be more mindful. Gratitude can be tied into mindfulness in that it allows us to identify currently things that are either neutral or that we would be in big trouble with if we didn't have. An example that comes to mind is a friend of mine who had surgery on his ankle and foot. And during that surgery, everything went according to plan, but he was sent home with a water circulating boot that he was told to keep ice in for 24 hours. Eventually, my friend lost his foot and the leg below his knee because the guidance was not accurate. And one thing that I can do when I'm really struggling is I can say to myself, I'm really grateful I have both feet. And while that can sound gratuitous and snarky, it's not. There's always something that I can be grateful for, even when there are other things happening that are really upsetting or distressing. And again, that's where the word and comes in. 
If we don't have the ability to use the word and or the concept of and, then it's really hard to find anything to be grateful or appreciative about. So let's talk about what gratitude does to the brain. What happens with the brain in gratitude is that it starts to rewire our neural pathways so that we have the ability to start noticing things that are neutral or good in our lives. It also helps us to have more fulfilling relationships and it enables us to notice the things that we might let pass us by. It's an intentional noticing. When we express gratitude, it's a way for us to acknowledge that we are part of a larger system, that we did not create ourselves, and that we have many things to be grateful for, that when we let go of expectations and instead turn to gratitude, we can be more fulfilled in our idea of how our lives are full and blessed. So when we purposely look for things to be grateful for, what happens in the brain? Our uh, attention is gathered towards the positive and the things that we have that are of benefit to us. There's a part of the brain called the reticular activating system. And that part of the brain is designed to start paying attention to things that are brought to our notice. Initially, it can be something as simple as somebody that you know got a white Mercedes. And all of a sudden you notice white Mercedes everywhere on the road. The fact that you notice them is not because there are now more white Mercedes on the road. It is because there's a part of your brain that's now activated to pay attention to white Mercedes. Okay, so how does the reticular activation system work in terms of gratitude? When we can find things to be grateful for or appreciative about, then our brain can be more tuned in to finding more of those. One of the things that Lena and I feel committed to is helping you find micro practices that your brain won't be as resistant to. It's the grand gestures that are really sometimes hard to put in place. So if we say you need a 30 minute meditation practice every morning to heal yourself, that's going to be harder to institute rather than starting with a practice of gratitude. So what's the action? If I am steeped in trauma, I'm having a lot of symptoms from trauma. What does that micro step look like to you, Lena? The micro step step is to identify something that you have that if you didn't have, your life would be harder. And then for me, I write it down because pen to paper studies have shown helps the brain remember. And I just every morning write five things that I'm really grateful for every single morning when I wake up before I check my phone before I go out of my bedroom, before I start my day. With a large family and both parents having careers, that is my really my only time other than super late at night to do my self-care. And I have chosen to do it in the morning because I find that it really sets my day apart. I notice a big difference between my, my ability to resource and to serve others when I start with an empty tank versus when I fill myself up in the morning. So for me, this morning, my gratitude was that I was able to find childcare for this week and that I have a healthy family and that we both have jobs and that my body is able to do what I need it to do. 
and that my sister chose to stay in town longer. And those sound simple, but I feel profoundly joyful when I think of what those really mean is my life is so much more simple because I have all of those functioning and I have those relationships and I have health. And I find that it really frames my day. I think that when we find at least one thing that we can be grateful for, maybe that would be the micro practice, would be to find one thing when you wake up. And if you don't do it when you wake up, do it at some other part of the day. Pencil it onto a post-it, write a note on your phone, anything that makes it a conscious acknowledgement of what you are grateful for. And that will help to rewire our brain. So one of the things that is catching my ear is this idea that there is a power greater than ourselves, that, that we are created, that there is a source, a divine, a creator, a God. That obviously speaks to me doing a, my PhD is in women's studies and religion. And I feel deeply, I am also in recovery and the 12 steps has helped me enormously to personalize that higher power for myself without the shame or the preconceived notions that I had from religion. And while I do consider myself a religious person still, it opened my mind into appreciating the fact that I am created and that I'm not in charge of the larger plan and the larger picture. And so I wonder if we can just talk for a minute about the connection with God and trauma and healing and what that can look like. A lot of times when we've had trauma and adverse experiences, it's difficult to have a benign concept of a higher power or God. And that is very understandable because trauma is oftentimes extremely isolating. And there's a sense of being completely alone. What research has shown is that gratitude encourages the release of dopamine and serotonin. And those are our feel-good chemicals. And our feel-good chemicals help us to want to engage in ways that feel good. So it creates a positive cycle. When we notice the things that are beneficial to us, that are blessings, or that we can have gratitude for, we start to feel better. We then engage in our relationship a little differently, which then also feels good, which then creates the additional cycle of neurotransmitters being activated, such as dopamine and serotonin. So it's a way of rewiring the brain so that you start to establish more neural pathways that are based on noticing the good and feeling better. Okay, so talk to us about the connection piece of gratitude, how that connects us to an idea of a higher power and other people and what that does for us emotionally. I was reading this morning an article online that talked about how the opposite of gratitude is entitlement. And entitlement is really prevalent these days, I think in part because there's a scarcity mentality in our communities and in our world. And we're so afraid of either missing out or not being given our due desserts that we have allowed our brains to focus on what we don't have. When we focus on what we do have and that we are beings who are created, whether it's by parents or a higher power, 
or evolution, that helps us to mitigate the entitlement. We cannot do this on our own. And the mitigation of the entitlement allows for more opportunity to notice things to be grateful for. When that happens, we are able to acknowledge that there's a power greater than ourselves, however we call that power. And acknowledging that power allows us to find a place of mental rest and gratitude helps us to be there in a place of rest or peace temporarily. That makes so much sense to me as a mom of five kids and three who are not typical. There is a lot that is outside of my control. And when I can still look at each of those children as individuals and appreciate the strengths that come with their particular need or what the world would call a disability. And I find that, yes, it can be overwhelming as a parent to switch between different needs for any parent with multiple children. I also find at the same time that there is a sense of deep gratitude that I feel for them as individuals when I choose to focus on their unique gifts instead of what they may not have that every other typical child may have. And so in one small example of parenting, it makes it more enjoyable for me, not just tolerable, but more enjoyable. I remember hearing you talk in the past about the blessings that have come with having children that are differently abled. And the surprise that you have experienced at some of the joy that has come along with those challenges. The other blessing that gratitude can give us is it helps us to become more mindful. And when we're mindful, we're staying more in the present and we are noticing things without judgment. And you cannot have gratitude and judgment at the same time. So practicing gratitude, even if it's just for one or two minutes a day, by actually bullet pointing something you're grateful for, listing in a journal, writing a note on your phone, doing the actual activity allows us to be mindful and in the present and to be out of judgment. And being out of judgment is one of the most profound gifts we can give ourselves. I like that. And I know we talked a little bit about that on our first episode. I use the method in the judgment detox of forgiving that thought and forgiving myself and choosing again when I'm in thoughts that are not serving me, which tend to be judgmental. So I love that you're bringing us back to that. What are some takeaways that our audience can do today? So we, we talked about a micro step to find one thing they're grateful for. What about someone who wants to go a little further than just writing one thing down? What would you suggest to cultivate gratitude? There are a couple of different exercises. One could be that you could set a timer on your phone for two minutes and you could brainstorm or brain dump all of the things that you have that have made your life a little more manageable. Another thing that we can do that can help us be mindful is to practice gratitude by saying please and thank you. And as our capacity increases, as we notice things that we can acknowledge, that helps us to be mindful and it helps us to practice an attitude of gratitude where we express thanks or gratitude for the things that are being done for us. I can remember one session I had with a married couple and one partner said, why would I thank him for taking out the garbage? That's what he's supposed to do. And I said, but who would have to do it if you didn't, if he didn't? Who would have to take out the garbage if he didn't? And she paused for a second and she said, me. And I said, 
that might be something you want to notice with gratitude because it's one less thing you have to do. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think especially in our relationships that are long-term, we get comfortable, we might get complacent. And going back to that feeling of entitlement that I think goes along with judgment, I think those are very intertwined for myself, that when we can look for the things that we can actually call out, thank you for doing that. And please keep doing it because <laughs> so I don't want to do the garbage or whatever it is. I think that's really great. Anything else you want the listeners to take away from today's episode? Be kind to yourselves. If gratitude is not something that happens automatically, do not be surprised. Congratulations, you're human. And if you can start to notice that you are doing one more please or thank you a day, then you are making progress, even if it's one thank you. So this episode on gratitude brings up some interesting spiritual questions and thoughts for me. One of the things that immediately comes to my mind is that I owe all that I have to the divine and to the universe. And my gratitude is very deep when I think about how not only the creator or the divine, but also everything in the universe is conspiring for my good. And if we get to choose our thoughts, why not choose the thought that absolutely everything out there that the creator has created is working for our good? That feels so abundant to me and expansive, mm -hmm. and it immediately puts me in service mode, gratitude mode, which shifts my energy into love and abundance, which, as we know, is the highest frequency. It is the absolute fastest, highest frequency. And so if I get to choose my thoughts instead of choosing everyone's out to get me, there's not enough. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have the job that's going to pay enough, et cetera, et cetera, because I've definitely been there. We've definitely been there as a family where we didn't have enough. And when we are able to step into gratitude for what we do have already and also gratitude for what we know beyond anything that is coming to us, that we know for a surety, it is that feeling of gratitude that literally pulls things to us. In the Christian tradition, we talk about faith. And how you have to have faith before a miracle can occur. It is the same thing. You have to have the feeling of gratitude and abundance in order for the universe to deliver. And I used to think that was so woo-woo. It wasn't until I started thinking about how religions talk about this too, that it is a universal principle in spirituality. I started to take it more seriously and test it out. And I am telling you, the home we have now you know, we moved states during the pandemic. We didn't have a buyer for our former home when we decided to buy here. There was not a house on the market that was big enough or the right house for our large family. And we literally sat down and we wrote a list as we were driving. And it was very, very detailed about what we wanted in this house. I said I didn't need it to be big, but I needed it to um, have these certain things so that our kids could have what they needed and not even their own bedrooms. Very, you know, for me, it was a little more land so we could garden and so we could have chickens. And I wanted a walk-in pantry because with seven people, we have so much food and that is such a blessing, but I wanted somewhere to keep it. Is that necessary for my happiness? No, it's not. It's abundant. And I knew it and I wrote it down. And then I wrote down the most abundant thing I could think of. 
an under counter ice maker. Now let's just let's just stop a second here and realize that ice, first of all, is a very huge luxury in the first world. It's a huge energy source and suck. And I am completely aware from all my travels abroad and my research in Africa, what a luxury that is. Now, do I think that I deserved that? No, but I wanted it. It was like, I don't know. It was like a luxury car. Is it the icing on the cake? Maybe. It might even be the candle on the icing. Okay. (laughs) It literally would not do anything else for me, except it just tickles me to have good ice. I think it was all my years of being anemic and chewing ice. And so I love soft ice and I'm very particular about my ice so I don't crack my teeth. We see so many homes. We're looking at so many homes. We can't find our house. It's just, we know it's not the right house. Everyone we walk in, because I do a lot by instinct and intuition. And the realtor finds a house that's not on the market knocks on the door and asks them if they'd be willing to sell. And we walk in and it is my perfect home. It is not huge. It is not uber luxurious, but it is exactly, exactly what we needed. And I literally have never had an undercounter ice maker. And I look and there's an undercounter ice maker. And I started to cry because I knew that was a God wink. It was a God wink. I remember doing this after my first marriage. I had stayed single quite a while. I was very, very fearful of remarrying because of domestic violence and attempt that was made on my life. And I remember not even being able to consider ever remarrying and then getting to the point where I thought maybe, but only if this person had certain qualities. And I wrote this list out and it was probably 25 things that this person needed to embody and and have in their personality in order for me to marry them. Well, I tucked it in my Bible and I never saw it again, apparently. And after I married Kevin, I was single for six or seven years and I met Kevin and we got married. I found it a few years later and that list describes Kevin to a T. And that was another realization that if we ask, God or the universe will provide. It's not on our timeline and it may not be in the way that we want it to be. I mean, I wasn't keen on leaving the town I grew up in when we moved across the country during the pandemic, but something told me we needed to move and that our children and our family would do better in this other environment. And so when you're following that path, it doesn't always look like you think it would, but I find that the universe delivers these gifts. And by having gratitude for what I know is coming, it absolutely puts out that feeling and that energy, which I believe draws the gifts in because it's literally like a magnet. I love how you explain that because it's so different than what I've heard in some of the more recent popular writings about the law of attraction. And I think that when we are operating on a higher level, when we are seeking after things that are less temporary, that we open ourselves up to having things come to us, whether they are, uh, whether it's knowledge or awareness or opportunity. And when we have those things offered to us, if we are working from a place that is less temporary and less acquisitional, we can do amazing things with those opportunities. It's really astounding. I think when we learn to let go of our 
ego and let go of traditional status, which I have been trapped in my whole life. I thought if I got enough degrees, I would be worthwhile. If I got enough money, if I got the right stuff, then I would have value. And of course, as someone who's survived trauma, the value is never going to come until you dig into your own sense of unworthiness. And that is that's where the beauty lies, is that when you start to unearth that and really start repairing that, your life unfolds, I believe, in miraculous ways. One of the hallmarks of trauma is that it does leave us with a an altered view of ourselves and or the world. And that altered view can include questions about our lovability, our worthiness, our importance, and the work that we are talking about in this podcast is something that's going to be very difficult for a lot of listeners to grasp, not because of a lack of intelligence, but because of a lack of experience with digging deep into this sense of more than. And that's part of the excitement of the journey. The scarcity mentality versus the abundance mentality. And we know that everything's on a spectrum. So it's not scarcity versus abundance. Most of us are somewhere in between, depending on the day or the issue. But absolutely looking at how that sense of poverty, poverty of spirit, poverty of miracles, poverty of blessings, how that might be impacting us because of the trauma we suffered. Thanks for listening. We are excited to continue bringing this great information and these new awarenesses to you. Every week we give away fun swag and if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcast or go on your Instagram stories and talk about the episode and tag us at Mending Trauma or at Amy Hoyt PhD. It really means so much to us that you take the time to listen and engage with us and we love you all and know that together we can build a beautiful world. There's so many good episodes coming up, so definitely subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And go ahead and leave us a review because it is free and it only takes a minute and it would really mean so much to us. Finally, if you're inspired by this episode and you think of someone who would love it or learn from it, feel free to send them the link or post about it on Instagram and tag us and we'll repost a few. Again, that's at Mending Trauma or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We love you. We'll be back in a few days. Keep healing.